Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to a special episode of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxina Fusi. I am so incredibly honored and excited to introduce this week's guest, the wonderful Marissa Peer. Marissa is a world-renowned speaker, rapid transformational therapy trainer, best-selling author, and the UK's number one therapist as voted by Tatler magazine. I am mesmerized by listening to her useful self-help videos on Instagram, and I have been so looking forward to hearing her three defining moments. Hello, Marissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. That's so lovely of you. Thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, I find all your videos on social media just so insightful and you just have the most wonderful voice you must hear that all the time (laughs) I never used to like my voice it's so funny people love my voice because I really disliked it but I got used to it now but yes people do say that it's very nice (laughs) well it is brilliant so we're gonna kick straight off with um your first defining moment I think my father who was an amazing head teacher And all through his life, his whole purpose was to make people feel good, to make people feel special. And he said to me, you must imagine every child has a little sign on their head saying, please make me feel important. Please make me feel significant. And he really taught me very early on that, you know, your life is defined by helping people. If you can help people in any way, it's made your life better. So a defining moment for me was we lived in um, a school. Uh, My father was the head teacher. And there was... a family in the village that didn't have any money. And my father, he was so sweet. He would always do all his um, teaching work, all the paperwork in his own time because he wanted all his school hours to be free to be with these children. And he'd found this bike that someone had left behind in the bike shed a term before. No one had claimed it. And he reconditioned it to give to this little boy in the village that had no bike. And I knew this little boy was turning up. And he knocked on the door to get the bike. And he looked at me and said to me, is your dad Jesus? And I thought that was just so sweet. <laughs> So that was, I always remember that. In fact, at my dad's funeral last year, I told that story about this little boy saying, is your dad Jesus? Because he didn't understand why my dad, who was a very successful man, was in the garage with his sleeves rolled up, like oiling a bike, because he wanted to give him something. And I think he certainly taught me that that's what life is about, making people better as much as you possibly can. That is such a beautiful moment and what an incredible lesson to learn. And I assume that you pass on that message to your own daughter. 
You'd like to think so. You know, people always think cause I'm a therapist. I was an amazing parent and my daughter's been so blessed, but nobody can ever be an amazing parent. It's certainly hard to get it all right. I was a single parent, so that wasn't hard, but it also wasn't easy. But I do have an amazing daughter. She's very talented and I do try always, even now, to continue raising her self-esteem. And I just spent Christmas and New Year with her in London. And it was just, actually for lockdown, it was actually one of the nicest Christmases I ever had because we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. We just bonded together watching movies and playing board games and cards. And I have to say, it was one of my nicest New Year's and Christmases ever because that's what people want. Children just want you to be present with them. And it was so ironic that I'm finally present with my daughter while she's all grown up. But that's (laughs) the most important thing, to be present with your kids or to be present with people in your life. That's all they ever want. Absolutely. I think it is always a kind of challenge for, you know, any parent is, I, I mean, I certainly find it is just that split focus all the time and trying to really, you know, we always say that, uh, we 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 want to be a hundred percent there when we're with our children, just with them, and our attention not on our work. But I think I know I do, and so many others find that so hard to actually achieve, even though we know it's the ideal. How do you? How? What's your advice to people who are struggling with that? You know. I noticed with my daughter, I asked her one day, you know, what are her happiest moments? And I remember for myself, my happiest moments, bar none, were picking brambles with my grandmother and going home making jam. And my parents took us to the south of France for a few holidays. Um, We had some interesting experiences. My happiest time was something very simple. And for my daughter, it was very much the same. When I said to her, what are your happiest memories? It wasn't going to Finland to see Father Christmas or going to Miami for this amazing holiday. It was actually making cookies in the kitchen and playing ready, steady, cook together. And and for parents, I think it's really important to understand that it's the little things, doing something with you, particularly baking together. And and in lockdown, you have such an opportunity to do that, to say, well, let, you know, let's make some vegetables and we'll work out how much vitamin C is in the skin of a potato for instance because anything you can do that connects you to your child and you're doing it together is really helpful so you just have to spend time with your children listen to them talk to them be with them and you know many people find that very hard I I occasionally would do that I'd come in after a busy day and I'd go and listen to my voice message my daughter says mommy you know you never come up to see me you should come to see me first I thought gosh she's so right and you just have to think all the time about your how are your actions making someone else. Well, if you're always on your phone when you're with your child, if you take them to the park and you're always on the phone, how do they feel? And you really have to – I think Mayor Angelou said people won't remember what you did. They remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel. And as parents, our job is to make our children feel that they matter, that they're significant, they're enough, that they're worthy that we believe in them and they'll always support them. Oh, such beautiful advice. Thank you so much. So Marissa, what was your second defining moment? You know, it's so hard to pick three, but a def- a, certainly a defining moment for me was I was in my early 20s and I was in a doctor's office and they told me that it was unlikely I would ever get pregnant. And even if I did, 
it was even more unlikely I would ever be able to carry a baby to full term. And when I heard that, you know, I heard a voice, and obviously it was my own voice, and then the voice said, don't let this in, don't listen to this, you must not let this in. And for me, I paid attention to that voice, and I remember saying to the doctor, you know, I'm not going to let this in, I don't, this is not great for me to hear this, I'm just going to leave, and I got up and left, and I decided I would not let that in. And I never said, I can't have children, you know, I we said, well, I will have them. I somehow believed it might be more complicated, but once I decided to have a baby, I actually got pregnant almost immediately. And of course, I was told several times, well, you know, this pregnancy isn't quite right. The baby's not growing. He's going to have all kinds of things wrong with him or her. And when my baby was born, weighing nearly eight pounds and was absolutely perfect in every way, that was such a lesson to me. Oh, you really mustn't listen to the voice. And Later on, I wrote a book called Trying to Get Pregnant and Succeeding, all about the stuff we're told when we're pregnant about. You know, I remember when I had my baby. I mean, nobody wanted a baby more than me. I was in heaven with this little newborn, and this nurse came around and gave me some Kleenex. I said, what's that? She said, it's for the postnatal depression. Everybody gets that. The whole ward ends up being a sea of weeping and crying. And they were prepping me, preparing me for postnatal depression. I went, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm actually having postnatal euphoria. I've already <laughs> signed up for it. And I can think, oh, God, one of those crazy therapists again. And, in fact, I checked out and I went home. And I never had postnatal depression, which is not to minimize people who get it, but how extraordinary that I was almost told to plan for it, to expect it. And, again, that voice said, you know, you can decide to have postnatal euphoria or postnatal depression. People ring up and say, oh, my God, are you exhausted? I'm like, no, my baby sleeps all the time. I, I've just found the whole thing wonderful. I, I, wasn't, I, didn't, I lost the baby weight easily. I was full of energy. I just was so in love with having a baby. But that, that defining moment of recognizing that so many of us give our power to a doctor. The doctor says, well, you've got this illness and you must expect it. You've got depression, it's genetic, you know, you're going to have to take pills for the rest of your life. I work with many people. And that's not to decry doctors who are trying to do their best, but many of people I meet say, you know, I was told I'm on medication forever. And medication has effects, not side effects, but effects. And so many of them come off the medication under supervision, of course, and realize that, oh, I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to have a nervous stomach or insomnia or chronic constipation. I can actually, if my mind is strong enough to create this illness, it's certainly strong enough to, to fix it. So that was a, my second defining moment, recognizing that, we really give our power away to teachers, doctors, authority figures without understanding that our minds are powerful beyond belief. Mm, absolutely. And what about when we give power to not just um, external sources, you know, and their opinions and labels or whatever it might be, but what about when our own minds have negative thoughts, negative um, you know, are giving us a narrative which isn't empowering us. Um, how do we take back our power from that negative voice inside our head and take it back to, um, you know, our best self, to, you know, into our, our brightest light? 
Well, the way you feel about everything, without exception, by the way, the way you feel about everything is only down to two things, the pictures you make in your head and the words you say to yourself. And you could even break that down right just to the words you say to yourself. So if we were to understand, if we can accept that our words shape our reality, and if we don't like our reality, we have to start changing our language. So if you say things like, well, you know, this stress is killing me, this commute is killing me, this job is killing me, this kid is making me crazy. If I look at a cake, I get fat. I never can sleep through. I don't understand how anyone does that. What you're doing is your your language is becoming a blueprint. Every word you speak and indeed think is a blueprint that your mind and body start to work to make real because the strongest force in humans is that we have to act in a way that is consistent with how we define ourselves. When we say, you know, I, I'm no good at confrontation. I hate being the center of attention. I bless people look at me. I, I get tongue-tied. You're actually describing an event that you are making real and you have to change your language. Instead of saying, if I look at a cake, I gain a pound, say, I have a fantastic metabolic rate. This baby is making me go out of my mind with tiredness. This is a great baby. You know, they, they're awake, but this this will pass. No, um, they're not like that forever. They start to sleep through the night. This commute is driving me crazy. Well, maybe that your problem is someone else's fantasy dream. What would you have given 10 years ago to have your own car, your own job to commute to? And is there someone in the world who'd swap places with you in a nanosecond? It's actually what I call tell yourself a better life. You're prepared to lie to yourself by getting my thighs are the size of a tree trunk. Uh, my headache is just killing me. I'm in agony with my period pain. If you're prepared to say things, I'm losing my shit, I'm losing my mind, I'm going crazy, this customer makes me want to die. Well, obviously none of that is true. And if you're prepared to tell yourself a lie, then at least tell yourself a better lie. This client is a challenge, but I'm learning my difficult customers are my best teachers. I do have a little pain in my head and it's annoying, but I can drink some water take an aspirin, and I know in a couple of hours I'll be absolutely fine. It's a better lie than, oh, my God, I'm dying in agony. Uh, I, this is headache is killing me. Because when you use those words, dying, agony, hell, nightmare, we forget that our mind's job on the planet is not to make us happy, it's to keep us alive. And the minute you say, oh, this kid is killing me, my boyfriend makes me want to die, this job, it'll be the death of me, your mind begins to go, oh, this place called work or home or dating or babies is going to kill you, so let's make sure you don't go back there. And then the mind is very good at creating all kinds of ailments to stop you going to the place you said would kill you. I mean, that's what secondary infertility is. You have a baby, it's all great, and you just cannot get pregnant again. Mostly because you say things like, oh my God, it would kill me to have another one. Can you imagine? I die of the sleepless nights. It would be hell on earth. It would be a nightmare or unexplained infertility where we're not even aware that we say things like, you know, when I was 16, I thought I was pregnant. And I remember thinking, this is hell. This is the worst thing that could happen in the world. My dad will go crazy. And now, of course, the mind is very clear. You don't want a baby which all makes sense, except that the mind doesn't understand how to undo that 20 years later when you're married to a great person and your parents can't wait to be grandparents. 
So when you tell yourself a lie, your mind holds on to that lie for years and years until you tell yourself a better one. And then you can start rather like when your computer has bugs and someone comes along and upgrades it, you can understand that we have bugs and you can upgrade your thinking at any time. Really by remembering, is this a lie? Why don't I tell myself a better one? But I absolutely love that. I think because so often when um, we think about using positive language or positive affirmations or mantras, a lot of people will struggle with it because they think, well, I don't believe it. I don't believe it to be true. So how can I say it? But when you make that point of how many lies we tell ourselves in the other way of, of like you say, I would die if this happens. We say that so naturally. And I never even considered actually that you know, we're already telling ourselves lives. So just to put it like that is so useful. Um, just tell a better lie. <laughs> it's like saying I'm starving, I could eat a horse. Well, first of all, no one in the Western world is ever starving. You couldn't ever eat even an eighth of a horse. So now you think, well, that's not true. So why not? Why don't I just say I'm a little bit hungry and I really only want to eat super healthy food and I get full very quickly because it might be a lie, but so is what you said before, except this is a better lie because you, we're all free to choose to say whatever we want. You could be negative or positive. That is your choice. What you can't choose is what you do to your body and your mind and your psyche when you say things like, I'm dying under my paperwork. This job is killing me. You see, you can choose to say that or not, but you do not have anybody to choose how that impacts your body. And if you could see what negative thoughts and language did to your body, you wouldn't, you would never do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. Because every emotion, feeling, thought has a physiological response. And Absolutely. as they say, we just cannot see it. No, we can't see it. You know, we don't understand that when we say, oh, I'm getting my migraine again, or I always get sinus headaches in the um, winter. I always gain 10 pounds over Christmas, and it's like concrete. I can never get it off. If only we knew that you are making that real. What you speak, you start to create. We think, well, why don't I speak a little differently? It Because why not? It's free. It's easy. It has no side effects, except that you feel better. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And at the beginning of that, you said it was the the words that we use in our language and also the pictures in our head. So is that, do you um, do much visualization or is that what you were meaning by that? No, it's more like if you say, oh, I've got a chronic headache. Oh my God, I'm dying of pain. Now you've created a a, a, an expression, a word, a few words, but they create a picture. I've, I've got like a band tightening around my head. I feel like I've got a lead weight on my head. So as you make words, you make pictures. And so you just have to change that. Do you know, I'm, I think I'm a little bit dehydrated and possibly I need to drink some water, take a nap, and the, the headaches, never my, because you don't want to own a headache, will go away. So I mean, visualization is great, but if you're good with language, you don't need to visualize. If I said to you, think of anything now, but do not think of an orange snowman, and the orange snow is exactly the same color as the orange carrot in his nose. He's got a little Burberry scarf on with some orange stripes. Despite the fact we've never seen orange snow in our life, you can't help us. If I said to you, think about anything now, but you must not think about a purple rug on a green lawn with a black cat sleeping on it. 
with the best of intentions, you can't not think of that. Why people say, I'm not going to think about chocolate ever again. No chocolate, never eat chocolate. No, no, never, never, never. And of course, the only thing you can think about now is eating chocolate. So people get very confused that I need to visualize. And some people aren't super visual. Most people actually are. But actually, you don't need to visualize. You need to have powerful, incredible, up-to-date words that excite your imagination. So you could wake up, for instance, and say, right, I've decided every day to eat super healthy food. I, I really prefer it. I love fruit and vegetables. Give me so much energy. I always choose healthy food because it's who I am. And if you say that enough, it simply becomes, you don't have to visualize avocados and mung beans and yummy salads. You just have to say, I prefer eating healthy food or say, I, actually, I feel so good when I work out. I always do 10 minutes of exercise First thing, makes me feel great, and it's who I am. Because if you get your words right, words create images. You can't have images without words. And so many of us have the wrong words. Oh, look at my cellulite. Look at the state of me. I'm such a mess. I just look like a big fat train wreck. Without recognizing those words are also creating images that like a laser you're moving towards. Yeah, that's... That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Thank you so much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, what is your third defining moment? I think my third, if I'm not, I have to say it's when I met my lovely husband. I'd met him before, actually. We, we were um, parents at the same school our children went to. But I met my husband, I, maybe the stars aligned, and he fell into my life. And that was a really interesting thing because I met him, and straight away he began to say to me, you know, you, you really need to – you're such a great therapist, you need to teach this. And I'm like, oh, no, I could never do that. I, I just couldn't even imagine teaching. There's negative language for you, by the way. Because when he said, why don't you teach your method? I'm like, gosh, I've got to find premises. 
advertise for students, create a prospectus, stand up and teach. And I couldn't even imagine how I could do that. And he said, I'll do everything. He said, you know, he used to own jonglers. So he said, I know about putting people on. Say, just turn up and I'll do everything. And, And true to him, he did everything. We are very much like a perfect store because he's great at marketing. I'm great at therapy. And I would never have my RTT school without him. And so we said, well, let's put on one and see what happens. And so he did everything. He found the venue, did the brochure, found the people. And when I turned up, people had come from all over the world, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, everywhere they had come to do this course. So we did one the next year. I think we did three the next year, four. And now we have this incredible business where we train therapists all over the world. We've trained 7,000 therapists so far. We've won I think 16 incredible awards to date for the best school, the best course, the best product we created. I'm enough movement. And none of that would have happened if I hadn't met him. I'd still be a therapist, but I would never have taken it to the level it's gone to. So I have to often think, gosh, amazing if I hadn't met him. And we both laugh and say, you know, I couldn't do it without you and you couldn't do it without me. But that must be a defining moment because meeting him changed my life it changed my career but in creating the technique it's actually changed the lives of people all over the world and that's an amazing thing that is so beautiful what a lovely story and could you tell us a little bit about what your technique is for anyone that doesn't know yes rtt a lot of people because it's rtt means rapid transformational therapy and people say but surely the words rapid and therapy shouldn't go together I think they should go together you see if you went to your dentist in pain if you went to um, A&E or E&R with a broken leg your expectation is you're going to get me out of this pain really fast I'm in pain I feel miserable I need you to fix me and no dentist and indeed no doctor says, well, we, we need to have a discussion about the pain for several weeks. We need to start to build trust. And then over time, you'll trust me enough and we can go a little deeper and we can do all this talking and make you better. And therapy is the only model that says, bring me your pain and we'll have a discussion about it for weeks on end. No other treatment does that. If you go to a chiropractor, they don't say, let's talk about the pain. They go, let me sort out your spine or... If you go to a massage therapist, they sort out your aching muscles or your displaced physiology. And so I just wanted to make therapy the same as every other treatment out there, which is let's fix the source of the pain straight away. Because what often happens is clients turn up with an issue. I'm an alcoholic, I'm bulimic, I'm anorexic, um, I sabotage myself. And just like in physiology where you may turn up with a painful knee and they go well that's actually because your hip is out or you may have a headache because your posture is wrong the source of the pain and the source of the problem are not often the same so many clients will turn up and I realize that whether I'm working with an alcoholic or someone who binges or someone who is hoarding or someone who's a kleptomaniac they will have the same problem which is they never feel enough and RTT is very good at identifying what's really going on. It's what I call what lies beneath. And we teach all of our students to look for what lies beneath and to teach that. Because when you do that, you change your client's life forever. For instance, I have many people with OCD, always checking the light switches. But their feeling is, 
I'm, I can't control what's inside of me, all these feelings and emotions. So instead I control how tidy the house is and I make sure everything's switched off over and over again. I'm trying to control out there because I can't control inside of me. And rather than fix that, it's much better to go, well, why don't we fix the feeling so that you can control what's inside of me? After all, the law of thought says one thing. Your thoughts control your feelings, your feelings control your actions, and your actions control your behaviors and events. So if you take that backwards, it says everything begins and indeed concludes with how you think. And if you change how you think, it will change your entire life. And so whatever the client comes in with, chronic headaches, self-sabotage, money blocks, love blocks, health blocks, procrastination, we always go back to where this came from because you and I know that no baby's wrong. They don't look at me. I've got triple knees and milk spots. No baby says, oh, I'm not worthy of attention. I shouldn't wake my mom up or demand to be fed because I don't deserve it. Cats, I mean, I have little cats, and in the morning they come sit on my bed, and I was like, come on, it's 6 a.m., we need to be fed now. They don't think, oh, she probably wants to sleep for another two hours. She was up really late. All animals have a belief, I am worth being cared for. Every baby is born with that belief. If you shut your newborn baby in a cupboard, they would cry for hours. In fact, I have a wonderful friend called Sammy Shoebox, and he's called that because he was born in the Philippines, and his parents or his mother, someone put him on a shoebox and left him on a tip. And he cried for three days, and on day one, somebody heard him cry and thought it was a cat. On day two, they heard again. By day three, they thought, you know, what is that noise? It's it's constant. And they went over and found this little newborn baby, and he was adopted and sent to America. But he wouldn't have lived except for one thing, his belief, I deserve someone coming to pay me attention. I'm going to ask for that attention by screaming till someone comes and pays me attention is what we are born with. I deserve attention. I deserve care. We've all had our babies hanging onto our legs because they want to be fed or picked up or held. And it was my friend saying, my little boy insists that like, he grabs my legs until I pick him up. He will not be you know, put down. But behind that behavior is a belief, I, I deserve this. Otherwise, Sammy's shoebox would have laid in that shoebox, never cried, and wouldn't be here today. And so, so many of us don't understand that what what we can do and what ITT does is it actually reactivates, remanifests, regenerates the belief you were born with that I'm worth it. And so many of our issues come from I'm not I'm not worth love, I'm not worth attention, I'm not worth affection. Well, actually you are, and you were born knowing that. And if you were born with it, it's not such a big thing to get it back. It's not like you've never had it. You just forgot you ever had it. And so how... Many, let's say someone is coming to you with, um, you just mentioned OCD. How many sessions would it take then to be able to find their self-worth again? Well, I mean, I can do that in one session. So I've been doing it for 33 years and, and I usually do do that. But the people I train, we teach them to take between one and three sessions. So if you came to see one of the people I trained and you wanted to pass your driving test or have a great memory or stop biting your nails, they could do that in a session absolutely easily. Fear of flying can fix that in one session. If somebody's coming along with chronic depression or bulimia, 
or anxiety or a phobia, they will ask you to have between one and three sessions because it's it's quite important to, to, to follow up. And often when a client has one issue, which is I'm an alcoholic, and you work with that, you realize the real issue is I don't feel worthy and so we really want to fix everything all at the same time, the issue, the cause of the issue, what lies behind the issue. So it'll be up to three sessions, and each session is different. And what's so great about RTT is that it, you, you have to imagine, I teach my, my, all my students this, the first thing you do is you put on your detective hat. And a detective is always gathering information. How did this happen? What went on? Let's have a look at this. And our therapist also start the session as a detective, gathering information, working out what went on. Why is it that you became a beast at 11? What happened in your life that has made you believe that you can't read or write or communicate? Or what is it that's making you deny yourself love or success? And once they've got that information, they switch from being a detective to really rather like a dentist or a surgeon who is extracting negative stuff and they very skillfully extract all the toxic beliefs. And then finally they become a coder and they put in their coding hat and they make you an amazing recording that wires in, fires in, codes in new, updated, upgraded beliefs that takes the place of the old ones. And they do it all at the same time. It's quite seamless it's an interesting therapy that's different, but it's won so many awards and we really love it because it's, it's extraordinarily effective. And it's effective because actually the source of that therapy were my own clients who over 33 years would say, wow, Marissa, you know, when you did this or said that or explained that, that was a game changer. The thing I've heard more than anything my entire career is, gosh, I'm amazed you seem to work me out in the first 20 minutes or, you know, I've been in therapy for years, but no one explained what you explained. And I'm, I have a talk up on um, YouTube and I had some doctors in the audience. They all said, gosh, you know, we're doctors. We don't, we, nobody really explained the not enoughness the way you do, why it's, it's the reason behind everything, so many autoimmune diseases and so many children with issues. And, and that's actually great news because when you understand that, you understand, wow, then I have the ability to fix this. If, if the issue is I don't feel enough and I'm telling myself that, how about saying, but I am enough. Its strength is really in its simplicity and also in its honesty that we're all enough. And if we could only know that, believe that, and wire that in, I know that changes everything because I have many schools that write to me and say, you know, we've taken the kids onto this I'm Enough program. I have an anti-bullying program I give away to schools. And they will say, gosh, it's incredible. Because, of course, my program works with the children who are the bullies as much as it works with the bullied children to make them know that they're enough. No kid wakes up and goes, oh, my life is so great. Who could I diminish today? And so we have many schools and hospitals, even prisons, who are using our I'm Enough program particularly and saying, wow, it's, it's just a game changer. Oh, my goodness. Sign me up. I'd love to. Love Sign to. me up. This sounds incredible. And you know what? I really do um, love that it is something that you are that works fast because I do think when it comes to great lasting change, often we are kind of taught to believe that change is um, hard, that it takes a really long time, that it needs lots of willpower and motivation. But actually, um, change can be instantaneous. 
And it can be something that happens. And you, I think if we honor our ability as humans to always transform and evolve, um, then we realize how easy it can be if done the right way. Yeah, and there's lots of examples of that. One of my friends decided to keep chickens and then realized she could never eat a chicken again because they became like pets to her. One of my friends was taken around an abattoir. I don't even know why. And she said she came out of there and she was a butcher's daughter, but she could never, ever eat meat again, ever. But that was an instant change. Something happened. She saw the little animals in the outdoors. Oh, this is, this is wrong. And just decided to never, ever eat them again. But she didn't have to work at that, wake up and focus on it and meditate she just said I, I can't and you know for many of us we'll have the same story you know one day I ate some lobster or some oysters or some prawns or so and I was so violently sick and to that this day I cannot eat that I can't eat the the liver that I was given at school or the runny eggs that my aunt used to make because the minute you think, oh, no, often you'll find that, that that happens. Most people can tell you that there's something they can never eat or drink or a name or a place they simply hate because of an experience. And all you ever did was say to your mind during that, I'll never go here again. I'll never eat that again. I'll never do that again. And actually, you never do it again. Marissa, thank you so much for talking me through your three defining moments. Um, and before you go, I just have a few quick questions for you. Of course. The first one is your most memorable book. My most memorable book? I think my most memorable book was actually Tess of the D'Urbervilles by Thomas Hardy. I loved that book because he described Tess as a woman more sinned against than sinning. But even the thing I remember the most is he described her as that her mouth was wonky and her eyes were not quite a set color and he said her imperfections made her perfect and I always loved that and now I know why I love it because I say to people all the time look you know the best you can ever be in life is a flawed person having a flawed a beautiful flawed relationship with another flawed person and so many of us try to be perfect I've got to punish my body into perfection starve it gym it, force it to be different, wax it, have all this stuff snipped off and injected in. And that's just not true. You have to accept that it's good to be flawed, that perfect people are usually the unhappiness and the unhappiest and the loneliest too. So I never realized when I read that book when I was about 13, how much it was talking to me about my life's mission, which is to help people understand it's great to be flawed with a flawed relationship. It gives you freedom to get out of the race to be perfect, which, by the way, has no finishing line ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, your favorite quote? My favorite quote is very easy. It's a quote that says, the feeling that cannot find its expression in tears may cause other organs to weep. It's by Henry Maudsley, who founded the Maudsley Hospital. He was a very eminent psychiatrist many years ago. But I love that. It, it, what it's saying is if you don't express your hurt, your pain, your sadness, your body's going to have to do it for you. And so many issues, because I've got this screaming headache, this angry red rash, this thumping pain, and they've already said without knowing it, this is suppressed anger or hurt. Your most influential mentor? Gosh, I have so many. I'm going to pick my dad, actually. My dad was such a guy. He always believed in people, and he was a very positive person, so I'm going to pick him. Yeah, that story really 
I think that might be one of the most sweetest moments we've had on this show. You're dead, Jesus. I know. Um, your go-to feel-good film? Oh, gosh, there are so many. Um, Good Will Hunting. That's one of my favorite films because I love the message. My other favorite film is Out of Africa. I love that film. Oh, good. You know what? This is great because I feel like, especially now in lockdown in London, people need some good feel-good films to watch. So I'm definitely going to put those two on my list. I love Out of Africa because Meryl Streep, when she went up for the part in King Kong, the director said, Meryl, I'm going to tell you the truth. You're not pretty enough to make it as an actress and you just can't make it. And she said, which I love, well, that's your opinion in a sea of opinions and I'm just going to go away and find a better opinion. And she's a brilliant actress and she may not be classically beautiful, in Out of Africa when Robert Redford is washing her hair in the bath, she just looks breathtakingly beautiful. And I love that film anyway, but I love it because it was her chance to say, I'll show you. And she certainly did. Very much like your second moment of how you responded to the doctor, really. Yeah, of course. That's your opinion, but I have my own opinion. Yeah, do, do not let in destructive criticism. You don't need to let it in. You only, nobody can make you feel bad about yourself unless you choose to agree with what they tell you and you never have to agree to that unless you particularly want to. A moment where you felt most proud? A moment where I felt most proud, I think when I got my award for having the most, I got an award for um, the best pharmaceutical and we don't actually make pharmaceuticals, but it was because of the recognition of um, how much RTT helps you with depression. And another moment when I felt very proud was when I was asked to speak to the Royal College of Medicine in London. And it's like, wow, who am I really to turn up and speak to all these eminent doctors? But when I got there and did the talk, it was so good and they were so nice. And I felt really privileged that not many hypnotherapists get to address the Royal College of Medicine, but I did, and that was really exciting. That is, I'm actually, I'm smiling from ear to ear. That is so incredible. A song that cheers you up. I love Brown Eyed Girl because that's when my little daughter was born. I used to sing that to her or hold her in my arms and sing that song, Brown Eyed Girl. And that will always be my song about her. Oh, that's so lovely. First person you call to share good news. Uh, usually it was always my mother. She was immensely proud of me that she's not here. But it's normally my husband or my daughter or my sister. I mean, they all work. We all work in the same company. My sister is like head of um, content. She's amazing. My daughter does all the art. She's amazing. And my husband does all the marketing. He's amazing. So luckily, they're usually right in front of me or at the end of a phone. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. I know. It's amazing. It's brilliant setup. And the last question I have for you is what is your top tip for dealing with stress? My top tip for dealing with stress actually is very interesting is if you fill up your mouth with saliva and swirl it around, you cannot be stressed and have a wet mouth. That's by the way why kissing is so relaxing. So you'll find many store detectives and indeed customs officers look for people who are licking their lips. You'll notice um, court lawyers drink water all the time. When your mouth is wet, your body is relaxed. So if you feel nervous and you don't have water to hand, just swirl saliva around your mouth and it stops you feeling tense. And we've often had the thing we wake up, you know, we have a little nap, we wake up on the couch and there's a bit of drool coming out of our mouth. We go, oh, that's so embarrassing on a train. But when you're relaxed, your mouth is always wet. When you're tense, it's often dry. But if you make your mouth wet, 
it bypasses the, the critical thinking and your mind believes, oh, you've got a wet mouth, must be relaxed, and you become more relaxed. It's kind of magical, actually. That is such a wonderful tip and I have never heard that ever before so thank you so much the other great thing is to stroke your face to cup your chin with your index finger and thumb and to stroke downwards like imagine you have a beard and you're playing with it because we're all told don't touch your face don't touch your face but stroking your chin also sets off incredible feelings of relaxation it's what why you see often great thinkers holding their chin. But that's another great thing to do that takes away tension, just stroke from uh, about two inches below your ear to your to the very point of your chin and just keep stroking that. I'm doing it right now and it's incredibly relaxing. Oh, that's brilliant. I like I like this. I like useful tips that you can, anyone can yeah. do at any time. And yeah, and you can do it anywhere. No one knows on the train that you're filling up your mouth with saliva. It sounds disgusting, <laughs> but no one knows. Exactly. Oh, gosh, thank you so much. You have really been such a wonderful guest. Um, I, you, you just... Do you just speak wisdom all the time? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I, I mean... I've got a great memory, which is immensely helpful. I owe all of that to RTT too, but I don't know if I do, but it's very nice that someone like you says that I do. So I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. And I can't wait to see um, more of you and what you um, do for the world. And I will definitely be looking into getting some RTT for myself. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and um, I'll let you know my new book's coming out in, I think, April. So maybe we can do another one of these and um, we could talk about it. Fabulous. I would love that. Please. That would be brilliant. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.